What's up, guys? It's Annie, and we're back with an amazing guest interview today. I'm honestly really excited about this conversation because this is something I've wanted to bring to the podcast for a while. I was just looking for the right person to have this conversation, which makes me so excited why Paris is here with us today. We're going to dive into this conversation, but before we do, I'm just going to quick give you guys a little background on who Paris is. So Paris is the creator and the host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where her primary goal is to bring more conversations to the table surrounding mental health and mindset related topics. I'm really excited because we actually did an interview for her podcast. So go ahead, check out her podcast and the interview with me will probably be there soon if it's not already there. Paris is in Scottsdale, Arizona. She has an extensive background in the field of psychology, both from personal experience and academically. She received her BA in psychology, MBA in healthcare administration, and she also has experience working in a mental health clinic, the one that she was actually a former patient in. That's a story we're going to get into on this episode. I'm really, really excited because our biggest thing here is just to eliminate the stigma behind mental health. Let's be honest, so many people don't receive the help that they need because they're scared of judgment. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to talk about it. And we talked today about how we all have issues. We all struggle with things and to just get it out in the open and to just start looking at your mental health as something you need to almost exercise just like you do your physical health. So anyway, guys, let's dive into the episode. I hope you enjoy this and please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at let's get uncomfy.podcast and myself at, at it's Andy Graft. So let's dive into the show. I hope you guys love this one. Hey friends, and welcome to the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast. I'm your host, Annie, Air Force officer turned serial entrepreneur, author, CEO, fitness expert, and personal growth junkie. Honestly though, guys, I'm just like you. I choose every single day to get uncomfy in pursuit of what others consider unlikely. And that's exactly how I built a life I am freaking obsessed with. And I want you to know that you're capable of the same. Here in this fam, yes, you're officially a part of the fam. We choose every day to quit our excuses, ditch the negativity, and embrace our best lives. Literally nothing is off the table when it comes to the conversations we're going to have together. We'll chat fitness, mental health, relationships, personal growth, business, and I'm certain we're going to laugh together. But please don't hold it against me if we cry together too. I know you'll leave this episode with the confidence and excitement to grow from your mistakes, pursue your passions, and ultimately own your life. Now let's get on with it. It's time to get uncomfy. Yay. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's Annie here with Paris. And I'm not even going to try to butcher your last name, Paris, but <laughs> Prin Kevage. I love that. It is a hard one, guys. It is not an easy name. It looks pretty wild. So I get that. <laughs> it really does. Well, yay. I am so excited to have you here. Your energy, just like your story. And I'm excited to dive into, I mean, they, they can see the title here of the episode. Obviously we're recording it in real time, but you know, we're talking mental health today and we're going to dive on in. We're going to talk the real, real, and we're going to talk stigma. We're going to talk experiences. We're going to talk all the things. So first off, 
Hi, welcome. Yes. Hello. Welcome. You guys, we're getting uncomfy today. Today is going to be an uncomfy day, but it is going to be a very important one because this topic is so near and dear to my heart, mental health, and just also the stigma around that. So I am excited to be here today to share that with you guys and give you a glimpse into what my experiences were like. Yeah. And that being said, I mean, let's dive in. So tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe even a little bit about your story as much as you're comfortable sharing, which I know you're kind of an open book. So yes, I am. So I would love to share that. So you guys, my name is Paris Brinkevich. Like Annie said, I am the creator and founder of the Crooked Illness podcast. And the reason I decided to start my podcast is because of my own story, because I have held it back for many, many years because of the stigma that I associated with my own experiences. And it really stems from two different perspectives. So when I say crooked illness, I mean, from the sense of being crooked within my own experience, when I was 19 years old, struggling inside of a psychiatric hospital, diagnosed SMI, which is severely mentally ill with bipolar one disorder. So that time in my life. And I say crooked because I had no awareness of what was happening around me and just no idea of the effects of letting this go untreated for so long was really having on my life and my quality of life, my relationships, everything. And then the other perspective comes from when I was 23, fresh out of college, and I decided to take my first job at the very same clinic that I used to be a patient at. So going back and working and helping other people who have struggled in similar ways to ways that I have struggled was very eye-opening, but also allowed me to see the stigma from another perspective. And that's what really made me say, you know what, why am I still afraid of sharing my story? Why am I letting this control my life, hold me back, keep me in a place of fear and just paralyze me from having conversations that are so eye-opening and so important. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be vulnerable, put it out on the table and put my message out there. And I did it. And I was terrified. I was very afraid, very nervous. And I just was expecting the absolute worst. And the reactions that I got were not at all what I thought. And I really have been able to create this platform to allow people like Annie to come on and share her story and her experiences and other people from all over the place, you know, talking about mental health, talking about mindset, telling me their, you know, lowest moments, worst struggles they've faced. And what did you learn from that? And how did you overcome that? So that's really a little intro into me and my story and why I do what I do. I love that. Um, I just love what you're about. And I love that vulnerability piece of where you said you had that moment where you're like, I don't know if I should share this. I don't know if I should talk about it, but then you did. And people's reactions were so different than what you had expected. Like you were creating this narrative that like people were not going to, you know, approve of you or think certain things or whatever, you know, and you put it out there anyway, and you're changing lives. You're inspiring people to get real with their own stories and with sharing their own experiences. And I just love that. And I respect that. Like, I just respect the hell out of you for that because it's scary and it's hard. And a lot of people, you know, aren't talking about that. And so honestly, like, let's dive into that first part of your story a little bit. So 19, you were institutionalized essentially. And let's talk about what that looked like, what that felt like, what was going on. 
Yeah. So really, you really nailed it right there on the head when you said that narrative, the narrative that I created in my head. And that was honestly the highlight of that moment of being 19, being hospitalized and really, you know, putting myself there. And that's kind of, you know, the deeper part of the story is that for I was actually misdiagnosed at 16 with depression and, you know, bipolar runs in my family. My aunt is bipolar. But the thing was that when I grew up, every time I heard about mental health, mental health struggles, mental illness, it was always very negative, very pessimistic. These people are very hard to be around, you know, very, you know, difficult to deal with and nothing I ever heard was good or positive. So it scared me and terrified me into thinking, oh my God, what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, there's no way I can share this with anyone around me, with my friends, with my family, with anyone. And I really let it paralyze me. And I was like, let me just move forward. Let me just, you know, try to continue living my life. But it was really sucking so much out of me because I was ignoring it. I wasn't dealing with it. And I also had trauma as well, being, you know, sexually abused at 15, not dealing with that, you know, not processing that again. And I really just created this narrative of, I have to stay this way. I have to try to make it work somehow. It sucks. It's not a good experience, but maybe it'll get better. And, and then eventually I became very hopeless because I kind of got into this mode of pretending to keep up this facade, this facade of I'm okay. Everything's good. There's nothing to worry about here because I never wanted to, you know, make other people feel like they had to pick up the pieces for me and carry that burden. And I just felt all of these things that were, I really orchestrated them all in my own mind and they weren't even real. And it just was like this firestorm of negativity and, you know, very victim mindset and looking to, you know, blame whatever I could blame, put whatever blame I could put on whatever situation, whatever person, whatever experience. And I never realized that the entire time I had control. I had control of the situation. I had control on how I was responding or reacting to different things, but I didn't see it at the time because I was so wrapped up in that struggle. And that's really what I see and what I did see in a lot of people I worked with. And it made me so sad because another part of it is I just wanted to fix everyone. And I'm like, this is going to work. But the thing is, is I couldn't even fix myself because I didn't see what was going on. I had no awareness of it. And it just kept getting worse because I tried to numb things, escape from things, you know, go out, you know, what a lot of people usually do when they're younger, you know, partying, drinking, you know, whoever I match with on Tinder, let's go have sex with this person. Just like a lot of stuff that, you know, was really not good for me. I just no longer cared anymore at that point. And it was a really dark place, but it took years of work to come out of that. And that's really the message that I love sharing with people is that it is possible to leave that place you were in. You don't have to stay in that place. I love that. I so agree. And I think we have, we have so much control over our own story and our own future. And I think it's very relatable that you say, you know, you were stuck in that of where, okay, this is just what I have to be. This is who I am. This is what defines me. And, you know, I think so many people listening can relate to that. So I love that you're sharing that. And I love that, you know, I think your story and just the fact that you're talking about it is going to give so many people permission to start looking at themselves. Honestly, I always say, you know, I think that we all struggle with mental health in some way, shape or form on a sliding scale. Right. And it's almost like 
ignoring a part of ourselves if we don't address it or look at it and work on it, right? Like I was saying this thing actually on a podcast. It's like, it's crazy. We put all this work into our physical health, our, our bodies, our fitness, and like nobody tells us to do all that same work on our mental health. And so I think that is just so important. And I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, yeah, maybe you were at like a super low load that led you to get diagnosed, to led you to get the help that you needed. Right. But I also think people listening, like guys, you don't need to be that low to seek help. Right. And to seek therapy or counseling or, you know, just have that. So what's your message to people who are listening right now? And they're like, they've never went to therapy. They've never gone to counseling. They've never been really like considered taking a look at their mental health. What do you have to say to them? Yeah. So what I would say is that exactly what you said, you know, you don't have to have, you know, this like crazy, wild, extreme experience, you know, like other people you might hear have, you know, if you have a day where you're not feeling good, you're not having a good time, you're, you're overwhelmed with something, you're stressed out about something, you have anxiety about something, you can talk about that with somebody. And there is always the possibility to come out of that. And just the thing of letting people know that it is very easy to fall into what I call, you know, the black hole mentality of when you're in that position of dragging yourself lower and lower, because it is easier to say, you know, this sucks, the situation sucks, but then this sucks. And then this is wrong over here. And that's wrong over there. And just blaming and doing all these things because it seems easier at the time, but it actually is harder to say, you know what, I'm going to tell someone about this and it might not seem like a good conversation. It might not seem like what I should be doing, but I'm going to do this because I know that I'm dealing with something and it's fine. Because like you said, you know, I loved your episode you did on six things that school didn't teach me because you touched on that. You talked about the aspect of physical health versus mental health and how in school we have physical education class. We teach kids about, you know, healthy eating, but we don't teach people, you know, if you're struggling inside, inside of your mind, that's okay. It's, it's almost like, no, that's wrong. That's bad. Don't go there. There's a very heavy stigma. And I think that's the thing that separates people from feeling like they can seek help, you know, wherever you are in your life or whatever it is that is making you feel not good is giving you these feelings. Then you can go to therapy because therapy is amazing. It is incredible. And I know like for me, you know, before I ever went to therapy, I had these thoughts in my head that this will not do anything for me. What am I going to get out of going to a stranger who doesn't know me telling them all these things? They're going to look at me like, okay, she does need help, but I don't know what to say to this girl. And if that's what I would do, but if you take it seriously and go in there with an open mind and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And sometimes you might not connect with that therapist that you're seeing that you might have to go to someone else. And, but that's the thing that's, I think is so beautiful is there's so many resources. There's therapy, you know, there's all kinds of treatment. There's all kinds of different things out there that people can look up online and try out. And I know that it is easy to lose hope when you've tried so many things and you've done so many different you know, things and everything isn't working, but to really have that mindset of there is a possibility and I will be okay is extremely powerful because that is something I never used to have. And developing that took a lot of work, a lot of time, but that I think is one of the most powerful things, you know, besides therapy, medication, being hospitalized, which was the most terrifying thing of my life, like absolutely wild experience, but I needed to be there. 
I needed to start taking myself seriously and stop pretending like I'm fine. And that's what I think the message is really for everyone is if you're not fine, you don't have to stay in that place of, I need to stay like this. I need to keep, keep this facade up. I need to keep acting like this because of what? because of everyone around you that you don't, you don't want to stress. No, like put yourself first, make your mental health a priority. And then it'll open more doors up for healing and to start that process instead of letting this just fester and sit in the back of your mind and just consume so much of your thought process. Right. And the thing is, is like, we all have trauma. Like we all have gone through stuff. So if you guys are listening and you're like, no, I don't, they're crazy. I don't need therapy. Like, oh my God, what would I even talk about? Like we've all gone through things and granted, like everybody's experiences are different. So, you know, somebody's trauma, you know, might just look like another Tuesday for somebody else, whatever. Nobody's here to judge. Right. But like all the things that we go through, shape who we are. And so if you can cope and manage and deal and process with the things you've been through in your past, it's going to help you get through things in your future because things are bound to happen. And so that's one of my biggest things with therapy now is like currently I just moved to Dallas and literally just starting to see a new therapist. I love going in person. And so I'm going to this new place. And honestly, I'm like right now I'm great. I'm good, but I'm still going to therapy because I know that something's bound to come up. Also, I again, still always forever processing trauma, processing the past, processing things that are going on around me. And so just to have those tools in your toolbox to be able to work through things that are bound to happen. And so I want to like, just destroy that stigma wall that says that, you know, we can't be struggling within our brains and also be living like a really great life and be successful and go after things. Right. And so we did talk about that stigma. What do you have to say about, you know, just like the stigma of mental health? I mean, you did kind of touch on it, but to just be very specific there. (laughs) Yes. I love that question. I think that is so important because for me, I feel like in my experience, I think stigma was the number one thing that prevented me from moving from that black hole mentality to being able to start coming out of this mindset, start learning, start growing, start, you know, opening those doors that I thought would forever remain closed. It was because I was afraid I was living in fear. I was embarrassed of what I experienced. I was very, you know, just shameful of having been hospitalized, having struggled so badly with my mental health. Because I remember, you know, like I said, you know, growing up, nothing I saw about mental health was encouraging to talk about it, you know, put it out there. Let's have this conversation. You know, I think that that should definitely be implemented in like schools everywhere, just even in companies, letting people know that this is okay. So that way, honestly, like it's more normalized and less stigmatized and people feel like, okay, if I'm experiencing this and and like you said, it doesn't matter if your trauma to someone else is like, oh, that's nothing. That's not because everyone experiences things differently. It doesn't matter how, you know, it might affect you. That person is clearly affected and something has happened to them to do this thing to them where they feel like I can't go there. I can't get help for this. I have to just not talk about it. And for me, that was honestly the worst thing because I would day by day, just slowly watching myself deteriorate, you know, and another thing I think with stigma that comes up is 
you know, when people share things like, Hey, you know, like I was hospitalized or I was diagnosed with this, or I experienced that. And then people being like, what, like, no way, like really like, and just, and kind of like not thinking it's real and being like, you don't seem like that at all. Like you seem so stable. and like, you have your shit together. What do you mean? Like you were in a psych ward and I'm like, yeah, girl, like, let me tell you about it. It's a great story. But no, I think that's part of it too, is like, you know, people not believing that there could be anything wrong with you. You know, when you're trying to express this, like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And they're like, come on, like you're successful. You know, you have all your stuff you're doing. You're, you're great with your health and all these things. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that makes no sense. And just kind of like trying to like, just forget it, like move on. And I think that is such a thing of the past. And I think definitely like we're getting so much better with working towards eliminating that stigma. So that way talking about mental health struggles, mental illness, mental health in general is like talking about the weather. It's nothing. And then that way it'll just be so normal that, you know, people won't feel this sense of I can't go there and I just have to deal with it because that I think is the root of so many problems is not dealing with unresolved trauma and just letting it sit there. And that's what I'm going to say, actually, also, and I want you to maybe speak on, because you did say this before in part of your story, but like the stigma is it's so dangerous because it keeps people from seeking the help they need. And you had said part of your story, you know, you're like, I had gone untreated. And when you go untreated for something you're struggling with, it's almost like a domino effect, like it's going to catch up to you. So how was your experience, you know, up to a point you were untreated and you were, trying to ignore it, trying to suppress it. What did that look like? Just because I'm sure that people listening, you know, maybe they're questioning, like maybe that might be where people are right now, you know? Yes. Oh my God. I love that. And what it looked like for me is just, you know, especially during that time period, right? So like misdiagnosed at 16 with depression and then at 19 hospitalized and diagnosed with bipolar, but then even after that, so like 19, 20, 21, 22, still, struggling, like even like out of the hospital. And I'm like, okay, like I felt relieved because I'm like, finally, I know what I'm dealing with. Other people are also dealing with. So like there has to be some way to fix this. But what it looked like for me because of that stigma was just every day was just spiraling and just kind of doing these things that were not good for me, going around people who only wanted to be around me because I was this exciting, wild person who would do all these things and say all these whatever. And it was entertaining and it wasn't healthy because I was putting myself in dangerous situations. I was just drinking a lot. And that's the thing is I've, you know, never actually had an actual issue with drinking, but I was just drinking more than normal. And I was drinking not to like have fun. It was to black out. And it was sad because I was trying to escape from the reality when you really can't do that temporarily. You might feel like that works in the moment, but you're really making it worse because of the actions that you could do to yourself or other people and hurt other people, hurt yourself, you know, and and hurting my family and watching them see me like this. And me just saying, you know what, I'm just going to push everybody away because I want to be alone because I didn't want to hurt anyone. And again, that's another thing that I did that wasn't healthy, but I thought at the time, this is healthy. You know, I'm going to push everyone away. I'm going to be alone that way. No one will, you know, get hurt from whatever I do or say or act, but it was me again, not having an awareness of this because, you know, I was told, I remember, you know, the psychiatrist at the time that I saw when I was diagnosed depression, I was like, I think I'm bipolar. And they were like, no, like, there's no way, you know, like you work two jobs, you're getting straight A's, you have a social life. 
all these things. And again, you know, like what you see on the outside, but I'm screaming, like something is wrong with me. This is not normal. And that's ultimately when, you know, I remember I called the police on myself and that's when I was taken into UPC, which is urgent psychiatric center where you're placed before there's a bed available at a hospital. So I was there for two days. Then I got transferred for hospital and I was there from December 22nd of 2014 through January 5th. So I spent the holidays there, all of it. And I don't know if if I was trying to avoid getting better or just avoid the pain that was building up because it kept building and building and building. And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's like you play that Tetris game and like the things keep stacking and you're like, it's okay. Like I'll get a match. Like it'll go down, stack, stack, stack. And that was my life. And I'm like, no, it's okay. It's fine. And just watching the building burning on fire and it's okay. It'll go out, you know, sometime it'll go out. And that's what it was like, you know, and that's really what I think about stigma and just the damage it can do, because, you know, that's what I'm continue working towards trying to eliminate it. Because if you really think about it, you know, if there wasn't a stigma at all surrounding mental health, then what would hold people back from getting help from speaking about their experiences? And, you know, maybe we'd have less issues with drugs, with crime, with violence, with all of these, you know, things that we see every time we turn on the news, all of these different issues and problems and fights and killings and all of this stuff, you know, what would that look like if there was no stigma and everyone was just comfortable seeking help and talking about everything? I can't even imagine. That thought right there. I mean, we act based off of the thoughts that are happening in our head. And like, if everybody was so comfortable, just share like, yo, man, I'm freaking struggling over here. SOS, you know, Hey, I need to go seek some help for this. You know, if people were comfortable with that and, you know, I think it also goes with judgment, you know, so it's fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of all that sort of stuff that holds us back from that. But like, if we were all just able to like be open and honest and vulnerable with what we're going through, you know, not only would it better us like a single person, but imagine like that collective effect on our society, on our community, on, you know, just everyday thing. Wow. That's such a concept. That is why I actually love that you bring that up. Isn't that crazy? That is so important. And I just like, I want people to know, like you said it before, like it can be just like a bad day or, Hey, now a bad day is spiraling into a bad week. And now it's creating this, you know, drinking problem, not drinking problem sort of thing. And okay. Now I realize that I'm, you know, leaning on people and I'm counting on people to love me so that I love myself. And like it all like spirals into this stuff. So guys, like, you know, if you've never sought therapy or never like really dove into like your mental health and talking about it with somebody, like let down the barriers and, and do it, go for it, you know, ask for help. I get these questions all the time. And maybe you can even give your experience on this. Um, people saying like, how do I get therapy? I don't know. Does your doctor cover it? Do you pay for it? Like whatever. So I know everyone's, you know, medical stuff and your insurance is all going to be different. But, you know, me personally, honestly, I pay for it out of pocket because consider it like this. Like I said, the the fitness thing compared to your mental health, right? Like you pay for a gym membership, you pay for, you know, things to keep your body healthy, um, supplements and health products. And, you know, you pay for a personal trainer. It's the same thing, you know, treat your mindset, your brain, your mental health, the same as that. And it's worth that charge. So me personally, I've had insurance cover it, but then also I've also, you know, went after therapy where I'm paying out of pocket for it. I don't know. What's your experience or what would your tip be for somebody who's like, okay, where do I start with like trying to find the right person or the thing? Yes. That is so important. I love that you talk about that and like comparing it to 
physical health. Cause I think that's an incredible comparison because that's something that a lot of people can relate to with thinking, you know, okay, like my diet, my fitness routine, but what about your head and your mind and your thoughts that you have every single day that just race through your head? You know, what about that? How are we going to take care of that? So for me, you know, I remember the first time I ever went to therapy, I was 16. I was 16. And thankfully, my parents were like, you know, because I went from being this person, you know, so much energy, so excited about everything. So, you know, happy and all this stuff to just really not having anything to say anymore. I would come home from school and just cry. And this was because the sexual assault at 15 and not talking about it. And I was trying so hard. I'm like, it's fine. Just like move on, like do your schoolwork, go to your events, whatever. And I would break down. I would come home crying and I would come out of my room and I would try to act like I was fine, but it was obvious, you know, like your whole mood is different. So I went to therapy and the thing was, is I didn't take it seriously. I was like, I was afraid. I didn't want to. And I think what I really was afraid of was saying the words out loud. Like I was raped. I'm like, I can't, I can't, there's no way I would literally practice in front of the mirror and I would just break down and I would like hate myself for it. Cause I'm like, why do I have such an issue with this? I'm like, why is it so hard for me to say this and tell someone and just move on? And then also kind of like the other issue of like being in school and then, you know, girls you know, being like, you're a slut, you're a whore. I heard these things and just like walking down the hallway and like trying to go to your classes and not break down in tears because, you know, someone's saying something. And again, it was just like this buildup and like of me also not taking it seriously and not just feeling very like, what do I do? How do I do this? And then also, you know, that was my first experience with therapy. But then later on in my life, you know, around like when I was 18, 19, I remember I went to my other psychiatrist and then I stopped taking medication for depression because I was misdiagnosed with that. And then my doctor was like, well, you know, you seem like you're good. You know, everything's you know going great. You know, you don't need to be here anymore. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know, I feel good. And then, you know, a year later, that was when I literally had that breakdown. I was hospitalized. And I'm like, this is not normal for me to like be working two jobs and have endless amounts of energy and just go out and drink and go and just meet all these guys and have sex with all these people and like put myself in unsafe situations. And like people were taking advantage of me, clearly taking advantage. And I didn't care. I was like, it's fine. It's okay. And I would just always tell myself that like, it's okay. It's fine. And it wasn't because I was so mistreating myself and I didn't even see it. But then that's when I started taking therapy seriously. When I came home from the hospital and I was, you know, outpatient treatment, you know, court ordered for a year to go to the clinic where I actually ended up working at years later. So I would go to my psychiatrist and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to stop fucking around and like say what's going on. Like, here is what happened. Here is all these things. And what can I do? to move forward instead of like covering it up. I'm fine. Like showing up for your sessions. I'm great. You know, the, why are you here? Like what, you know, what is it? And that's what I would really want to encourage people is just try it out and see. And you know, if the first one doesn't work, if you don't click, you know, look for other people, you know, see other professionals who are out there and check out those resources and see with insurance, if it's covered, if it's not see what's going on with that, try it out and just see how it works. Because honestly, like what you might think of it, the perceptions you might have in your head could be the complete opposite of the reality. And you might feel so good about this and say, wow, this is the thing that I've been searching for. This is the thing that I've been looking for to work on my shit and get over this and feel good. So 
I try think- it out guys it's not gonna hurt you the worst thing that can happen is you know I mean honestly with everything right like if you open up to someone of course it's like scary you're being vulnerable but what is the worst thing that can happen like they call it like you're weird you're a weirdo you're crazy and it's like it's like okay you know that's a compliment like it's fine you know like what what is the worst thing that can happen too and that's also what I like to tell people is you know, just go for it. If it doesn't work out, there are so many more things out there. There are so many more people out there that you can be close to and have in your life who do love you, who do support you instead of the ones that I used to surround myself with who literally could give a fuck less about me. Like, look at what you're doing. Look at your habits. Look at the people you're around, you know, and there's just so many things out there that you can start doing and implementing and practicing to really boost your mood and just make you feel better instead of feeling like you're stuck. Yeah. And like, we don't have to be like, guys, your mind, your brain, it doesn't have to be like a jail cell. Like, you know, I think so many people struggle in silence because maybe they don't know where to start or maybe they don't even want to trust therapy. But I just have to say like my first experiences with therapy were terrible in high school. I same sort of thing. I just like suppressed everything. So I'd show up to these sessions and I'd be like, I'm fine. Literally nothing's wrong. Like, I don't know why I'm here. Like literally. Um, and then I was so resentful about therapy and skeptical and it made me feel weird. And I was like, I don't know why I'm telling this stranger these things about me. And you know, how could this even help? And because I was so closed off about it, closed minded about it, I wasn't able to get the help that I needed. And it spiraled, it created again, traumas that were untreated and unprocessed that then shifted, you know, the way my brain continued to work into my, you know, late teens, early twenties. Then my next experience with therapy was uh, within the military. And I had a terrible experience with mental health treatment within the military. And I knew at this point, right? Like, I don't know where that shift happened to me, where I came like from, I don't trust it. I don't want to do it till, okay, I need it and I'm going to do it. But I kept having bad experiences. I had like, probably I saw like three or four people before I actually ended up getting treatment and getting help, you know, going to therapy outside of the military, paying for it on my own and finding a therapist that I worked well with, that I vibed with, that I felt that I could trust a little bit. And like, that was my first ever good experience. And this actually, this was like, you know, two years ago. And so, but it it made a world of difference. And now, you know, here I am in a new city and I'm, I love the fact that I love therapy. Like I love it. Right. Like it's just having a safe space. It's having somewhere to go where, you know, you don't have to like unleash everything on your family and friends, but you can have some place and someone to be there to process things with, to work through things with. And I mean, yeah, they're just, I mean, so many, so many benefits. So I'm just going to say guys is like, if your first few experiences aren't good, don't bash it. Just find the person, the therapist, the counselor that does work well with you because they are out there. I, I guarantee. Yes. I love that. You guys, yes. Do what Annie said. If you do not have a good first experience, do not give up on it because, you know, like she said, you know, you went to through like three people before you got to the one that matched and clicked with you. And that's kind of the experience that I had, you know, in the beginning was not taking it seriously, you know, would show up to appointments, you know, would not want to go to the scary places, would not want to say things out loud. Cause I was afraid, even though this is a place where you're going to work on your shit. This is what it is, you know, and that's what it was, but I still, I, it was so ingrained in me of do not go there and Mm -hmm. just keep pretending, move on. Your life will be fine. 
But that is what really like kept me in that spot. So just, you know, try it out, see how it goes. And the the thing I want to ask you now that you have like gotten, you have such a good mindset about it. You, it's helped you in so many different ways, you know? So how do you feel that like really taking hold of your mental health and like owning it and doing the things you need to do? How has that really helped you transform into the woman that you are today? You know, how has that benefited you? Yes. So really, honestly, like everything you said, kind of really committing to this and taking it seriously. And it took me years, you guys, like 19 years old, sitting in that hospital and then coming out of it still, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old, 21, 22. And then even when I was working at the clinic that I used to be a patient, at, I still had that stigma. So I still had to do this work and overcome this and talk about it and use my story to help other people. That is what I love more than anything is that if someone takes something of value away from what I say and my experiences, that makes me so happy. And that means the world to me to hear people say, you know what, the fact that you came out here and, you know, recorded whatever you did, put this episode out, talked about being bipolar, talked about being hospitalized, talked about working in a clinic, talked about the stigma that helped me, that helped my dad, that helped my brother, sister, someone who is struggling or has struggled or is stuck. And whether or not, you know, you, you are bipolar or not, like, I don't care what it is. Like if you've ever struggled with anything, it's so liberating. I actually feel like myself. I actually feel like me because for so long I felt like I was hiding because people would ask, why are you so passionate about mental health? And I'd be like, oh, like it's because of what I studied in school. Like I have a bachelor's, I have an MBA in healthcare administration. Like this is what I do. It's like, no, like I'm passionate about it because it has affected my life so powerfully. And to the point where I don't want other people to have to experience that and feel like that, that this is what I do and what I love to talk about. And honestly, like there's been a lot of shit that I've tried, you know, a therapy has been incredible, you know, try been on a lots of different medications when I was misdiagnosed and all of that. And that's great as well. And then the last thing that I tried, I couldn't do it unless I dealt with my traumas first. So dealing with those processing, those dealing with that, that allowed me to start working on my mindset to start diving into personal development, reading books, podcasts, putting my story out there, connecting with other people, growing, learning more things, just continuing and never giving up on learning more things and surrounding myself, right? With people who are like-minded, who want to continue to grow, who want to continue to learn, who are excited, who are happy, who, you know, lift others up, who lift me up and just that kind of vibes instead of, you know, just going out every night. Let's just get drunk. Let's just go, you know, do this. Let's just talk shit about everyone. Let's just talk shit about us. Like, no, no more negativity, guys. Cut it out. Like, that's what I want to say. Like, it makes the biggest difference. And also practicing gratitude, that has been major, like major, you know, to the point where I'm like, you know what? Let me put together this free 28 day gratitude journal and release it to people and then do that every day and see the differences that that makes in your mindset instead of waking up and sitting there and saying, wow, I'm stressed out right now. I'm overwhelmed right now. I have to go to work. I'm in a fight right now with my boyfriend. I'm in a fight right now with this person. I don't like this. This sucks. Wake up and say, I have a home. I have eyes. I can see. I can walk. I can breathe. I get to do this today. I get to go work out today. Just look at the things that you have. Look at the things that you've done. Look at the things that you've accomplished. Look at the things that you're working on. Shift your perspective. And then it's just up from there. 
I was going to say, so you almost answered like my last question was going to be like, <laughs> what are your top three tips that somebody that maybe you've learned like coping things in therapy or something, maybe people struggle with depression or anxiety or like things, daily things. Like what are your top three things that somebody can do like from home right now without a therapist, without a counselor, and they can really start to really own and control their mental health. So you said gratitude. So that can be one because you're big on that. Yes. Gratitude. And then another one that I found really helpful is meditation, you know, and that's something that I thought was crazy. I'm like, you want me to sit here and close my eyes? Cause I had an issue with that. I couldn't sit still. That was my problem. So doing that. Yeah. So do, so doing that meditation, gratitude, And then, you know, if you just want to start journaling, literally writing out your stream of consciousness, when you get up in the morning, take a pen, take a paper and go just write whatever it is and then reflect back on that at the end of the day or add more to it. And then, um, drink a glass of water too. start your day like that. Um, but yeah, I really love doing those things and kind of, and then doing it every day, right. And making it a habit. So it's, it's become part of your routine rather than something that you're like, all right, you know, I'll try this out. Like if I'm having a bad day, like, no, this will literally prevent you from having bad days and like, okay, I don't mean it like that. Like we're, we're going to have bad days. We're still going to have bad days, but it, it just gets you starting your day off on the right foot rather than getting out of bed and hating life and everything. So <laughs> no, literally, I love that you said journaling because I think like journaling so underrated and just guys, like if you don't have somebody to talk to, like, okay, write it out. It's so therapeutic to just get your thoughts out of your head onto paper. Sometimes you might write something like when I do stream of consciousness journaling, sometimes I'll write something and I'm like, where did that come from? Okay. Right. (laughs) So I love those three tips, gratitude, drink your water, journaling, meditation, which guys, that's something I would say, start off with like, you know, three minutes and work your way up to longer times. But those are awesome. And I love those tips so much, Paris. The very last thing I'm just going to say, or just going to ask is where can people find you? So if they just love, and then maybe they want to hear a little bit more about your story, you know, your podcast, Instagram, website, all the things. Yes. So you guys can find me on Instagram at crooked illness and also my podcast crooked illness. And you can check that out too. If you want to learn more about my story, I'm always open to receiving the DM. So you can slide in there, ask me whatever questions you want to ask me. And yeah, you can, you guys can find me there. And also you can also send me an email if you want crooked illness at gmail.com. I'm always interested in, you know, learning more about people's stories. That's probably the biggest thing I love more than anything is hearing people's stories, their experiences, and just all of that. And that's, that's really how we got to connect. Cause Annie, I was like, listen to this, like, come out here right now. I need to chat with her. And then here I am now on let's get uncomfy talking about my stuff. And it's just a great time. So, you know, I just want to say thank you to all you guys listening. It's been such a pleasure, so much fun being here with you today, diving into this topic and sharing some of the stuff that I've experienced. So yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on here and just being so raw and real and, you know, showing people that I think the biggest thing for today that I want people to get out of this is just like, you can struggle with mental health. You can have bad days and still be like a bomb ass person. You can be successful. You can go for your goals, go for your dreams, live your best life, you know, and still have stuff going on up in your brain, you know? So I just love that you are so open about sharing your story. Cause I know someone's going to listen to this and be like, Oh my God, if she's gone through all that, I can do this. I I can do this, you know? So I know you guys, we can do this and we are doing it and we will continue to do it, baby. (laughs) So yes. 
I love you so much. Oh my God. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Paris. Guys, go find her. Go slide in her DMs. Let her know that you listened to this episode. And guys, that's it we have for today. We'll catch you next time. Thank you, Paris, again. Thank you. Bye, guys. That is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Hey, I'd be so grateful if you took one second to send this podcast to one person you know would love it. And also don't forget, leave a five-star review because honestly, go big or freaking go home, Becky, okay? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or a follow if you're listening through Spotify. Also, go ahead and check this out at letsgetuncomfy.podcast and myself at Annie underscore fitlifefitme on Instagram. Tag us in your stories. Let me know how you're getting uncomfy and what you loved about today's episodes. Now, go do it. Go get uncomfy. Pursue what others consider unlikely. I double dog area. <laughs>